Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, what's up church? I hope everybody is having a great weekend. You know, this Sunday I'm down in Fort Lauderdale speaking for one of our churches, Celebration Fort Lauderdale. And first of all, I want to thank all of you for your giving because we launched Celebration Fort Lauderdale this past fall. It's doing great, man. They're growing, they're thriving, and I'm really excited about speaking down there for the first time this Sunday since they opened. And of course, you guys heard about the terrible shooting that happened down there. So please keep Parkland and the Fort Lauderdale area in your prayers. And we're just praying that God uh, moves on this next generation, moves on our students. And we're seeing that happen here in Jacksonville, in Riot, and in the Revival. And we're going to see it happen in Fort Lauderdale as well. So we're so excited uh, that God has called us to be part of that city in that community. I want to remind everyone that I will be back Wednesday. I'll be preaching Wednesday night at our Wednesday night revival nights. Man, I have a word. And if you were here last Wednesday, I mean, wow, there are like no words. I think it was one of the most powerful nights in the history of our church. And I think God is just going to build on that for this Wednesday. And it's going to be amazing. We're going to pray for everyone who's sick, everyone who's oppressed, if it just anything, if you have cancer, if there's anything at all, please come. God's healing people. He's doing amazing things on Wednesday night. So I look forward to seeing you there. And I also want to speak to all of our men. Guys, guess what? The man conference is this Friday. That's right. It's this Friday. And it is so, so important for you to be there. You know, our staff has been interceding at our Tuesday revival prayer meetings for our staff. I bring all of our staff men forward and we go to the altar and we basically lie prostrate on the altar and we cry out to God on behalf of the men in our church. And we feel like that God has spoken to us that he's going to do a mighty work in our men at this one night conference. Of course, it's going to be a lot of fun with uh, Willie from Duck Dynasty and Tim Timberlake, just a great young leader that has a great men's ministry out of North Carolina. It's a one night event. Guys, I need you there. It's important to me. Please be there this Friday night. God is going to do great things in your life. All right, church. God bless. You guys continue to have a great day, and I'll see you Wednesday. Oh, wait. Wait, 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 wait. I forgot the most important thing about this Sunday. Guess what, church? You are going to get to hear from my amazing wife. Come on, Pastor Carrie Weems, the mom of the house. Stand to your feet right now. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Carrie. Oh my goodness, y'all sit down. But before you do, hey, help me welcome our campuses, all of our locations, everyone joining us online. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Wow, it's such a great pleasure to be here with you this morning and to be uh, entrusted to steward the pulpit and the word of God and the message today. Um, I never take that lightly and I really believe God's gonna encourage all of you today. And I have a great message about the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't y'all like to learn a little bit more about the Holy Spirit? I love the Holy Spirit, and um, I'm so excited to teach about him today. But before we get started, I just want to echo what Stovall said. Um, just give a little bit of woman perspective <laughs> about the man conference. You know, uh, 
Man Conference is, it's, inc- it's an amazing thing that you guys can go to. And it's, I feel sort of bad for Stovall because it's really, really hard to get the guys to show up for something, but the women are so easy. Like we didn't say one word about sisterhood night and like 1,500 people came. But the men were like, please, we beg you to come, please, please, guys. And so I'm just going to talk just a couple of things. You know, there, there are some experience. I'm so grateful that in this day and age, we can download sermons, we can download resources. There's a, we have a lot of access, right? We have more information now than the history of the church in any generation. So there's not a lack of information available to you. But there are some things and some experience that, experiences that cannot be downloaded, They can't be downloaded. They are meant to be experienced in the context of everyone gathering together, right? In one accord, God will do something in the room that he will not do when you listen to the message after the fact. And I'm not saying, you know, don't turn in online, tune in online if you're sick or something. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm saying is God wants us to put our foot forward and position ourselves. What does the Bible say? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It doesn't say God's gonna draw near to you, and then when you see him draw near to you, that's your signal to draw near to him. It says the, 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 go ahead, you can clap at that. That's like a message by itself. (laughs) What, What God is saying is you take initiative. The initiative is on you, and if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you, and that cannot be downloaded. It has to be experienced. So let me tell you something really quick. This is what man conference is not gonna be, because I, I can imagine that some of you guys have preconceptions about what goes on at man conference, just like um, women had those kind of preconceptions about what would go on at Shine. So um, let me just kind of break down some of those walls. First of all, it's not gonna be a shame vest, okay? Nobody wants to shame you about sexual purity and giving. It's, it's to build you up not to shame you. So you're not gonna come in and then somebody's gonna make you feel bad about yourself and you go home with your tail between your legs. It's to, it's to call out what God put in you and the man that he has intended always for you to be and to strengthen that aspect of who you are. So that's one thing. It's not gonna be ultra emotional. It's gonna be a bunch of guys just like you together in a room, so they're not gonna get emotional. They're gonna be men. They're not gonna turn into women when they walk in the door, okay? And it's not gonna be a bunch of pressure. There's not gonna be this pressure thing. Guys, there's something about men gathering together. I don't know if you noticed this, but when we started talking about the man conference and how God wants to do a work in you, you know who shouted out? The women. <laughs> the women were excited. Do you know why they were excited? Because they, they know what it feels like to position yourself in the presence of God and God does something that you never expected. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you another reason they shouted. Because spirituality is attractive. Am I right, girls? If you're a married man and you want your wife to trust you, can I tell you something? She already trusts Jesus. So the more Jesus she sees in you, the more she will trust you. Am I right? And I'll tell you this, young men who are not married, if you're looking for a girl, guess who she's looking for? Looking for Jesus. Because she wants to be with a man who she sees and knows that he will get to his knees and pray. He will read his word and he will seek God about what to do next. And she, a woman will trust that kind of leadership. She will partner herself with a man like that. She will give her gifts and her strength to someone like that, like this. 
Not because you're so great, but because she sees you serving Jesus. This is what God wants to call out in you at the main conference. Spirituality is attractive. So if there's no other reason for you to go, then you could become more attractive and find a girl or your wife will find you more attractive. You can start there. And I know that there are some of you guys who are, you know, you're gonna come because you're, you're just, you're, you're our, you got our backs, you're at everything and we are so grateful for you. But who I'm talking to right now are the men who are hovering around the edges of church. You've been listening, we do man conference, you're starting to feel a little bit of pressure. You may be tuning it out when you hear the eagle screech, come on. You don't know anyone, you're not sure about this. It doesn't, you don't know if it's gonna be fun. Look, it's one night, okay, one night. You have spent longer at a stadium watching your team get beat into the ground, <laughs> leaving disappointed, angry, spending way more money, nobody fed you. God did nothing in your life. You left worse than you came in. All right, so this is only gonna be a positive, at best a neutral, I promise you it won't be a neutral, but if you think of it like in terms of it's a negative, a neutral, or a positive, the worst it could possibly be is a neutral. It's not gonna be a neutral, but do you see what I'm saying? When you compare it to other things, don't put it in a separate category because it's church, it's gonna benefit you. So if that didn't convince you to come to main conference, we've done all we can, we love you. Go outside and check it out, are you good? Stovall, if you're watching, I hope that was okay. Just wanna speak from a woman's perspective. All right, let's go ahead and get into the word. We're gonna pray first, and then I'm gonna talk a little bit about the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit. Father God, we love your word. We love that it challenges the way we think, the way we think about life, the way we think about other people, the way we think about ourselves. We love that it changes us. We love that it is powerful. It's not this, just a, a book, God, but it is the living, active word of God. And so over the next few minutes, God, we just set our hearts to lean in. Lord, we just set our minds to not be distracted. And we wanna hear everything that you have to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go through Jesus, um, the verses in the Bible where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. And most of these are right during the Last Supper, right before Jesus went to the cross. I'm not gonna do all of them. There are actually five of them. I'm just gonna do a few. But there's contained in them a lot of information about the Holy Spirit, but you sort of have to stop and look at it a little bit more carefully to pull that out. So I'm gonna start right here with John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. And I'll let you know, they're not, these notes are not on the app now, but I am going to post them on the app. So if you have the app, you'll get a notification when they're posted, okay? So I don't want you to worry about writing every single thing down. You can, but I'm gonna go through a lot of scripture really fast. All right, so it says this. If you love me, keep my commandments. This is Jesus speaking. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. And I put in parentheses here, in brackets here, parakleton, okay? I just, I'm adding that in. That's the Greek word, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world, and the world Greek word for that is cosmos, and I put that in brackets there so you can know, cannot accept him. The world cannot accept the Holy Spirit. We'll go back to that. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him because he, for he lives with you and will be in you. So I wanna just unpack this a little bit, just go through it, are you with me? Okay, first of all, I wanna start how Jesus, start off in verse 16, where Jesus said, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. And the word for advocate 
It has also been translated comforter. It has been translated helper. It's parakletos or parakleton or parakletes. It just depends on, you know, what translation you're reading. But it just means one who is called alongside to help. And it means help in any way that you need. It has legal it's like kind of like a le- shades of meaning that go all the way to like legal help, like someone in a court, all the way to a strong warrior coming to your rescue in your time of need. It is your go-to guy. This is the person that you call on. And so this is who Jesus says that he's sending. But I want you to understand and pick up on this. I will send you another advocate. Who do you think was the first advocate? He says another, that means they have one, Right? Jesus himself. Now, I want you to think about these guys, the disciples. They've been with Jesus for the last three years. They've been kind of camping out with them. They've been eating dinner with him. He gives his message. They go backstage for a private Bible study with him. He's telling them about the kingdom to come. He's working miracles. He's letting them work miracles. He's sending them out. It is amazing. And they believe, and this is, what, this is the belief that permeated first century Judaism at that time, was that when the Messiah came, he was not coming to establish a spiritual kingdom. He was coming to literally establish a new government in Israel. He was gonna raise Israel back up, make them an autonomous nation for the first time, really in, in 400 years. And he was going to put this Messiah as king, a military and political leader. That's who they were expecting. And even though Jesus was very different to what the disciples expected, and they saw that he was the Messiah, they still did not have the full revelation of the extent to which he was different. <laughs> So imagine that you're sitting at the Last Supper and Jesus is talking about the Passover and he's talking about this is the blood of my covenant, this is the bread, and you're sitting there like, you know, like, I would, like any of us would do, like, all right, I don't quite get this, but okay, it's all good. I don't know, I'm sure he'll explain it later. I'll ask him when we get a minute. And then he starts talking about how he's going away. And you're like, excuse me, you're what? You're going away. Oh, but don't worry, I'm gonna send you another, another advocate. No, no, Jesus, you're, we want you. We, would, we don't want the other, I don't know who the other one is, but actually we would rather if you just stayed because that's, that's, what we, um, that's the ticket we bought. We didn't buy the ticket for the other one, we bought the ticket for you. And um, we didn't think this was how the movie ended. So if you could just explain a little bit about this helper, this advocate that's going to come. And he says this, the other thing he says about it is this advocate, that's going to be with you forever, he's not ever gonna leave you, is the spirit of truth. So the Holy Spirit, first of all, is our great help. He is God helping us. He is Jesus helping us. He's the expression of God right now helping us. Other thing is he's the spirit of truth. And that's, what that means is the Holy Spirit will only ever lead us into truth. He will not ever lead us into deception. Now that's not to say that people who follow the Holy Spirit or have the Holy Spirit never get things wrong. But you have to understand in that context that the disciples, their witness about Jesus was about to bring in an entirely new revelation of God's plan for humanity, an entirely new revelation of what it meant for the Messiah to come and what it meant for the kingdom of God to come. And Jesus was telling them, look, as long as you follow the Holy Spirit, he is going to lead you into truth. He will lead you into the truth about who I am. He will lead you into the truth about my plan for you. He's not going to lead you into deception. And in the first century, in the centuries thereafter, 
uh, few, until, you know, for a while, the, the main thing that the, whole, that the Holy Spirit was telling the church, the main heresy that they had to defend against was, was Jesus really the Son of God? In other words, his deity. And did he come in the flesh? And did he resurrect bodily from the grave? Those were the three big things. And as the Holy Spirit led and unfolded God's plan and his truth, I want you to notice that it always confirmed and affirmed what Jesus said about himself, right? So this is what I wanna say. Our understanding of who Jesus is will never evolve or unfold, I should say, in such a way that it diminishes him. So, it's never going to unfold in such a way that now we have a great revelation that Jesus is just one way amongst many and God is also a woman. I just, I feel like I need to say that again. Okay. If you are thinking the Holy Spirit is telling you that Jesus might just be one way amongst many, that is not the spirit of truth. I know that can be offensive. I don't mean to be offensive. It is very offensive to say that there's only one way right, in, this, in, our, in our world today, because people don't, they think, it's, they think of it as exclusivist, right? But that's what Jesus said about himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, no man can come to the Father but through me. And so if you think Jesus was either lying about himself or insane enough to believe something like that and it wasn't true, then I don't understand why you would want to follow him. Either Jesus is who he said he was, or he's a liar, or he was crazy. You need to look across those options and see which one of those things fits the other things that you know about Jesus. So the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, just took that from C.S. Lewis, by the way, if you ever want to go read a whole book, it's mere Christianity, just... Put it in your library. Okay, but buy a hard copy because it'll be very difficult to read on Kindle. All right, sidetrack. <laughs> when, the, when the woman preaches, let's rabbit trail. All right, so, and it, so the truth of God, the Holy Spirit is, that's, is not going to lead you into this understanding of Jesus that, wow, he's just one of many. I could follow Buddha. I could follow, you know, I can follow, I can follow Hinduism. Any of these religions, they're all gonna lead me to the same mountain. No, they won't. And that is not what Jesus said about himself. And so you have to decide what you're gonna do with what he said about himself. Not what I made up about him, not what the church made up about him. This is what he said about who he was. And the other thing is God's not going to, the truth is, the Holy Spirit is gonna tell you the truth about the Father. The Holy Spirit is gonna tell you this is who the Father is. The Father is loving, the Father is good, the Father is kind, the Father sent Jesus, the Father is, he, he's a God of mercy, he is also a God of judgment. You know, if, if somehow you feel the Holy Spirit is telling you that God will never judge anyone ever, that's not truth. Because God does judge, ultimately in the end there will be judgment, but the doors of grace are open so wide right now, anybody and everybody who wants to come in can come in. Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, I will in no way cast out. The doors of salvation are completely open. It is the time of the harvest. It is the time of grace. This is the time where the Holy Spirit is drawing all men from every nation unto himself. And if you wanna come, it does not matter who you are or what you've done or where you've been or what you, where, where you are right now, you can come because this is where we are. God's grace is abundantly being poured out. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And that's good to know, you know, as we're following the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so um, another thing is this, you know, 
um, the cosmos, it talks about the cosmos, the world cannot receive him. You know, even in just the things I just recently, I just said about Jesus being the only way and that God's not a woman. And you could feel the tension in the room because it's so politically incorrect to say something is the only. It doesn't matter if it's religion or politics. We just, we don't say that. Do you know that's the spirit of the world? The world is the, not just the earth itself, but the system that runs this world and the economies and the ideas and the influences that is actually in rebellion against God. And so it's difficult to receive sometimes some of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to say or do. And the world cannot receive him. And Jesus says, because it neither sees him nor knows him. And you know, the world is so materialistic. Not like even, I'm not talking about greedy materialism. I'm, the, 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 they will say, people will say, I'll believe it when I see it. But God says, you'll see it when you believe it. You won't recognize the moving of the Holy Spirit until you, you go, okay, Holy Spirit, move. And I'm gonna talk about that a little bit later on. The Holy Spirit, he's something that you receive and you understand because you believe. But those who don't believe, they, they won't get it. They won't, Jesus is telling them that you, they won't get it. And then this is a big thing. Jesus said, you already know him because he is with you and will be in you. He is with you and he will be in you. Who is with them right now? What in that scene of the Bible, who was with them? Jesus was with them, right? And then he says, he will be in you. So what is Jesus saying about him and the Holy Spirit? They're one. Just like Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I don't say anything that I don't hear the Father say. I don't do anything that I don't see the Father do. And now I'm gonna hand the baton off to the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will take what I give him and he will say it to you. And greater works than these will you do because you do them in my name. And if you need any, if you have anything, to, any petition, you can ask in my name and the Father will give it to you. In all this context, Jesus is aligning the Holy Spirit with the Trinity, just like he aligned himself with the Father. And he is saying, you already know the Holy Spirit a lot better than you think you do because you know me. Only right now I'm out here. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's gonna live in you. And I'm sure that was really difficult for them to understand because this is really, for the disciples, a brand new concept of the nature of the Holy Spirit. Because in the old, under the old covenant, when the Holy Spirit, the language was this, the Holy Spirit came up on him or the Spirit of God came up on him or her and they began to prophesy or they did this or they did that. So the Holy Spirit would come up on someone and then it would not be up on them. <laughs> and when they needed to do something, the anointing of the Holy Spirit would come on and then it would depart, so to speak. But in this new covenant, the Holy Spirit will come and infill and remain. If you go back and you read the um, baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist in the Gospels, you'll notice that there's a verse that where John the Baptist says that God told me, the one who you, whom you, on, wait, okay, this, all this back, this weird language like King James, let me say it right. He said, when you see the person who the Holy Spirit descends on in the form of a dove. In other words, you're gonna see a dove come down and descend on them. This is the Holy Spirit. This is what I want you to know. And it remains on him. It remains on him. When you see this person who the Holy Spirit comes upon and remains upon, this is the one you're looking for. Is that amazing? He said that this person, the Holy Spirit is gonna come up on them and it's not departing when the work is done. The Holy Spirit is gonna come up on them and remain upon them. So Jesus was the first person that lived as a spirit-empowered believer, so to speak, spirit-empowered person, man, 
in this earth because the Holy Spirit did not depart. He didn't depart. And we're the same way. The Holy Spirit doesn't depart. He fills us and he stays. And you know, that's, that's incredible. And that was a big deal for the disciples. Like the Holy Spirit's gonna live in us. Like, are you serious? Like, we're, we're, we can't even, you know, go into the sacral, the Holy of Holies. Like how can the Spirit of God live in us? This is the miracle of the new covenant. The miracle of the new covenant is that instead of everyone going to a temple to encounter God, that the temple would then host the presence of God and take it out into the world. You are a walking, living, breathing, potential encounter with God everywhere you go. You carry in you, if you're a believer, the presence of the living God. You have the potential for, everywhere you go, you carry the potential for heaven to break out on earth. You don't realize the power that you have inside of you. We underestimate it so much, but that is, it's powerful that the Holy Spirit lives in us and he can live in us because our temple is clean by the blood of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? All right, so we're gonna move on here. All right, and um, oh, so John 14, 25 through, 25 through 26 says this, these things I have spoken while being present with you, but the helper or the paraclete, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. And I just wanna highlight this. Jesus is saying, look, I'm telling you these things now, but when the Holy Spirit comes, part of his job is going to, to bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said. So I've said a lot of things and maybe you don't understand them now, but when the Holy Spirit comes, all of a sudden these things that you don't understand are gonna make sense to you. You're gonna remember them and you're gonna go, oh, that's what he meant. Okay, we get it now. And you know, you see examples of this all throughout the book of Acts and even through, you know, the story of the resurrection of Jesus where it says, you know, Jesus, he rose on the third day and then the disciples remember that he said, I will take this temple down in three days and I'll raise it up on the third. And they realized he was talking about his body, but they couldn't see it then. And then the, the two guys on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus walked with them and explained the scriptures, and then he, they got, they're like, oh, their eyes were enlightened, then he disappeared. You see this all throughout scriptures that reading backwards, looking backwards, they go, oh, that's what he meant. That is the Holy Spirit at work revealing, basically, what Jesus meant when he said these certain things. So John, I'm gonna skip on to John 16, six through seven, and then I'm gonna skip to 12 and through 15. And I love this because this is so where we are today. And Jesus is talking to the disciples. And of course, as he starts to say, hey, I'm going away. You're gonna get this other comforter. And they're, they're kind of like, as you would be depressed, right? Like you'd be like, oh, Jesus, are you sure we have to do it that way? Maybe you can stay. Maybe we can set up a 501c3 and you can just go on talks. Maybe we could get you on a talk show, a TV show. You could write some books. You know, people, you don't have to go. You just do it that way. And Jesus is saying, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And I love the statement. It is to your advantage, or your Bible might say, it is better for you. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, look, it's better for you if I go away. Why? Because God's best life for you. God's plan A has always been you being filled with his spirit. It is not a plan B. It is not a backup plan. It is a one step closer to where we, where, what God fully intended us to be, was, which is the people of God in the place of God, dwelling in the presence of God. We've got the people of God, right, with us, 
saved believers. We got the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. All we're lacking is the place. And you know where that place is? That is heaven. That's eternity. That's the new heavens and the new earth. And the Holy Spirit in us is a down, down payment. It's a deposit saying, okay, the people and the play, the people in the presence are here and you're just waiting on the place. And it's coming and it's real. Don't grow weary. Don't quit hoping. I love, Jesus was saying, look, I have to go up for him to come down and this is better for you. I wanna say, you know, the Holy Spirit was not God's like, okay, well, if I'm gonna come in the form of a man, then that means I'm gonna be limited by time and space. And so I guess I should have a backup plan. Let's see, what I could do is divide myself into a gajillion little pieces and put a little part in every single person and then maybe that would work. No, this was always his plan. His plan was not for Jesus to stay on the earth so we could like watch everything he did and copycat him. His plan was for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and grow into a living, dynamic, breathing, powerful, missional people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to go into all the world and proclaim his kingdom and the message of his kingdom to everyone. Because Jesus needs to work fast because the time is short. It was even short then, even though it didn't, doesn't seem short, it was. And I love this too. In verse 12, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. So I love this. Jesus says, I still have things I wanna say to you, but you can't bear them now. I've often thought, you know, what is it that Jesus had left to tell them? It's like whenever you gotta hang, you've been talking to an old friend forever and you have to hang up the phone, right? Or you have to, they have to leave. You haven't seen them in a long time. You're like, oh my gosh, there's still so much I wanna tell you. And you know, you realize next time you get together, you'll have to catch up again. Jesus is saying, I have not unfolded. You, you don't even really come close to understanding the, the breadth and the depth of what I want to do. But if I told you right now, it would blow your paradigm up. Like you would not be able to receive it. You're not ready. You're basically saying you're not mature enough to handle this. It is so big. You can't handle this truth. And so I'm just, you know what I'm gonna, I'm gonna hand off the baton to the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna let him lead you into truth. I don't know, like if I was Jesus, I might go, I, okay, I just come in because I gotta tell you this because I really don't trust you to follow the Holy Spirit enough to learn this. Like Jesus totally trusted the Holy Spirit to lead them into this massive truth. You know what I think the truth was that they couldn't handle? I think it was that he was going to graft in the Gentiles as joint heirs with the nation of Israel. And there was so much religious exclusivity, there was, some, there was racism, there were all kinds of unredeemed paradigms. The disciples had not been filled with the Holy Spirit even though they were living with Jesus in day, day in and day out. There were so many things that had to be undone and deconstructed in order for them to be able to listen. Like in order, if he told them at that moment, they would have fro frozen, it would have been too much. You know, when someone says something and it freaks you out, you freeze and you can't process it and you're like, whoa, I just need a minute. He didn't want that to happen to him. Don't you love that? This is what this shows me about Jesus. Jesus is very patient with your process. He is very, very patient. He didn't say, okay, gather around guys. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna drop a big bomb on you. It's gonna be hard for you to receive, but I don't have a lot of time here. So I'm just gonna lay it down straight. If it offends you, if you can't handle it, can't take the heat, then get out of the kitchen because this is the way it's gonna be. And what he says is, there's some other things I wanna tell you, but you know what, right now, if I told you the truth, it would hurt you more than it would help you. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna hold this back. When the Holy Spirit comes, his work in you is going to do the work 
that needs to be done for you to receive and understand this. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus is so kind to us. Sometimes we want to do things so fast, we're not patient with the processes that people are in. But Jesus, he's like, I got you. And I trust the Holy Spirit to work with you. So I don't have to tell you every single thing you're doing wrong. I don't have to tell you that your, your uh, racial paradigms and your religious paradigms and all your mental models are off, that you've been misunderstanding God's intent for like centuries. I'm just gonna tell you, when the Holy Spirit comes and he will come, he will lead you into truth. And when he shows you what this is, just remember, this is from me. And if it's from me, it's from the Father. You can trust it. I would have been like, okay, that Jesus trusted the Holy Spirit to guide these fallen men who are very, very, I mean, they're just very, they're very vulnerable. They're very prone to fault. They're, They're not perfect. They're just like us. That he trusted the ministry of the Holy Spirit to lead them into this massive truth. And he didn't worry about them missing God. I would have been so worried about them missing God. Like you people, y'all don't hear from God enough. Let me just tell you right now. So come on in, I'm gonna tell you. No, he trusted them because he knew the Holy Spirit would not lead them astray. He knew the Holy Spirit would not lead them astray. And you know what? He won't lead you astray. He won't lead you astray. And that's why you don't need to worry about where you're gonna end up. If you're in a process right now, just let Jesus into the process with you. Let the Holy Spirit into the process with you and determine this, okay? Every day just get up and say, yes, God. Whatever the question is, my answer is yes. Holy Spirit, wherever you lead me, the answer is yes. Maybe you're trying to figure out what the outcome of this thing is gonna be or what decision you should make here. I know a lot of young people are worried, like what is my purpose in life? Don't worry about that. Worry about tomorrow when you wake up saying, yes, God, okay? Because from here to there, the gap from where you are to where you hope to be is bridged one step at a time. And every step is just a yes. Yes, 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 yes. And then one day you turn around and look and you're like, oh my gosh, here I am. And it wasn't this big deal and it wasn't spooky and it wasn't hard, it was just a daily yes. You know, we don't have to have the whole picture. The disciples didn't have the whole picture. They just had the yes down and that's all they needed, right? And that's all we need. We just need the yes. And you can see actually this truth unfolding when Peter preaches. He preaches to the people at Pentecost and he preaches to the Jews and then he's praying and God sends him the vision of the sheet. You can read this in Acts. The sheet comes down from heaven and shows him like we're not gonna have dietary restrictions anymore. And then he sends him to the house of a Gentile which was really taboo back then. And then while he's in the house, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles and begins speaking in tongues. And then this guy, Paul, who's been killing the church and Jesus even says that, that this before he dies, he said, they're gonna take you and they're gonna persecute you. They're gonna drive you out from the synagogue and they're gonna believe that they are doing a work of honor for God. If that doesn't describe the apostle Paul, I don't know who it's talking about. But Jesus was giving them a hint. There is gonna be a person who's gonna come on this team and you're not gonna like them very much. (laughs) But when the Holy Spirit leads you, remember that the Father told me, I'm telling the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is telling you and he's going to bring you through a process so that when it happens, your heart will be ready to receive it. Is that just the way that the Lord leads us? It's awesome. He's so much, he's so kind to us, right? I love that. So we're gonna end right here in just a few minutes. I wanna read about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And this is in Acts chapter two. I'm gonna read through it very quickly. 
um, verse, verses one through 21. I know that sounds like a lot, but I'm gonna go through it real quickly. I'm not gonna stop and like, you know, talk about it on the way. <laughs> so, so I wanna just look at this. So Jesus had told them, I want you to right now, when he ascended, he said, I want you to go up together. I want you to gather in one place and I, wanna, I want you to wait until power comes on you from on high. You'll receive power from on high to be my witnesses. And so they're all together in one place. And this is a really important part. They're together in one place. I don't know about you, but I would hate to be the person that said, y'all call me when it gets going and I'll come. Or the person who's got, who said, I'll just talk to everybody afterwards and see what happens. Because I guarantee you there were other people that were invited to come that didn't show up. And this was one of those experiences that can't be downloaded. You have to be there for it to happen, to experience it. And they were all gathered together in one place. And verse two says, and a suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Real quick, on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai, when God gave the covenant to Moses, what, did, what came down? Fire, wind, and God spoke, right? Now, new covenant is being inaugurated all together in one place. There's fire, there's wind, and there's tongues. The two covenants aren't being, the first covenant was enacted on at tablets of stone. The second covenant is enacted on human hearts. This is really important. The, the, all of this language is pointing back to the covenant. This is one of those reading backwards things. And it says, now that we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, because this was um, just so you, this is what was going on. There were certain feasts where everybody was commanded. If you were a Jew, you had to come to the temple. You had to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. And the Feast of Pentecost was one of those times. And so there were Jews that had been dispersed. They were living in different countries throughout the world. But this one time a year, they would, they would all come to Jerusalem for this feast. And that's why they were all gathered around. Probably the streets were very narrow and the disciples were up in a very tall house on the third story maybe. And they were speaking in tongues and everyone was waiting to maybe get into the temple. There would have been like, I mean, think of Mardi Gras maybe, but not like that, more holy than that. <laughs> that would be the best way I could think of it. This is my only point of reference. But there were, the streets were filled. And so these were all these Jews who had come from other places. And um, it says, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? So they're speaking in tongues and what they were hearing, they were just speaking in tongues, but what the hearers were hearing was the gospel being preached in their native language. And these are the, all the languages. This is Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Portus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonder of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Wow, do you hear that? They're speaking my language. And then verse 13 says, some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Isn't it funny how people hearing the same thing can hear different things? Do you remember at Jesus' baptism when God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased? Listen to him. And some people said, oh my gosh, this really is the son of God. And some people said, did you hear that thunder? <laughs> some people were going, oh my goodness, the glory and wonder of God declared in, from these Galileans who are, we know they're not very well educated. <laughs> 
but somehow they're speaking our languages. And, and some people said, well, those people are drunk. Because it very much matters. What you hear is very much dependent on the state of your heart. Jesus always said when he taught parables, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And what you see here is the distinction between people who had ears to hear and people who didn't. And the people who had ears to hear heard the wonders of God proclaimed in their language. And the people who didn't heard drunken babbling. So I always want to come into the house of God with my heart prepared to hear what God is going to say. And then Peter, I love this. And I'm going to close here. So I'm, um, I'm going to call the band back up because I'm going to close. And then after this, I'm going to hand it over to the campus pastors. But I want to close with this. Peter then gets up. And this is, the, the church has basically been born at this point. And Peter stands up and gives the first message, the first Sunday sermon, if you want to think of it that way, of the brand new baby church. And he says this. Peter stood up with the 11 other disciples and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. It's like five o'clock somewhere though, right? Just kidding. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Not this is something kind of like what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is what was spoken. You read this, now you're seeing it. And he says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see, dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below and blood and fire and billows of smoke and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, everyone. So as we close, let me, let me end with some things we can take away from Peter's message. The first thing that we can take away is that the Holy Spirit flattens every hierarchy that society gives rise to. Everything that we have that puts one man over another, one woman over another, whether it's gender, whether it's status, whether it's age, he says, men, women, sons, daughters, old, young, servants, not servants, everybody is gonna receive my spirit. And not just the priest and not just the kings and the prophets, but everybody from the least to the greatest, everybody is gonna be one body. And this is what Paul said when he said in Galatians, for in Christ there is neither slave nor free, male nor female. Um, yeah, male nor female, man, uh, uh, slave nor free, and um, something else I can't remember, but it's okay. It's on my, <laughs> it'll be in my notes. But this is what he's saying, the hierarchies, the levels and strata of society, power, the whole, everything that gives one man power over another. My intent is to strip that away and make people brothers and sisters not one better than the other. Is that amazing? Listen, hear that through the eyes of justice. No one is supposed to be trafficked. No one is supposed to be racially oppressed. No one is supposed to be oppressed for their gender. No one is supposed to be oppressed for their religion. No one is supposed to be oppressed for their age or their youth. Jesus says on everybody from every nation of every kind, my house and my kingdom are gonna be filled with every tribe, nation, creed, because this is what the Holy Spirit does. He fills everybody, 
every kind of person, top to bottom, great to small, young to old. The other thing is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It signifies the beginning of the age, the beginning of the age leading up to the great and glorious days of the Lord. The beginning of the day. So this kicks off a new thing. This is why he puts in there, the sun will turn to blood and there's fire signs in the earth because he's saying, look, Here's the deal. We are now heading toward the day of the Lord. You thought this was gonna be the day of the Lord, but no, the day of the Lord is gonna be in the future. And we're just now stepping into that new, that new era. And the last thing is this, this dispensation, this time that we're stepping into is going to be characterized by salvation for all. Salvation for all. It says, you know, the, the Bible says in Psalms, open wide you gates, be lifted up, you doors and the King of glory will come in. Peter was saying, look here, this is about access. Jesus is a barrier breaker. Jesus is a gate opener. Jesus is a door opener. He swings wide the gates of salvation. He opens wide the door of salvation. He removes, he doesn't set up barriers. He takes them down so that what? So the King of glory can come in and all the people who've been partakers in salvation with him can come in by the throngs and by the thousands and come to the Lord's house and say, great is our God. Great is our God, because from now on, God is not just gonna be a God for Israel. He's going to be God for all people. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.